Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here. What an honor it is to be with you today. Uh, I see several new faces. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here at Vertical Life Church, and I just want to say welcome. We have a philosophy here at VLC that we believe everyone matters to God, so you matter. So I don't know where you've come from or what life circumstances you've been going through or maybe what's in the past, but the great news is because of what Christ did on the cross, the past is past and all things have become new. And God loved you so much that he gave himself for you so that you could be restored, forgiven, have new life and have a relationship with your heavenly father. So we pray and we hope and and we seek each and every week that you feel like you matter today because you are to die for And Jesus proved it on the cross. Amen? Amen. We're so thankful for you to be here. And I'm thankful for your your patience and willingness. Today we have a combined service. Normally we have our kids ministry up and running, but we have a special guest with us today, Mike Benson. And uh, and so we have a combined service. I felt like it was important for all of our leaders and and volunteers to be here, uh, to hear what God has laid on his heart. So I appreciate those of you that that have been working and you get a week off. I know you're able to breathe this week. And those of you that uh, utilize our kids ministry and the important blessing that is to you, we appreciate your patience as you uh, partner with our team to be able to receive from God this morning. Uh, But uh, real quickly, we just have a few announcements and we'll receive our regular tithes and offerings. And uh, upcoming on October, I believe it is the 20th, correct? Uh, We have our new step study for Celebrate Recovery for our ladies beginning. So if you're interested in getting involved in Celebrate Recovery, uh, either just to attend or maybe you're interested in possibly helping uh, in more of a a leadership role in that area, please fill out a connection card, which is right inside your worship guide. Just fill out your name, phone number, all the stuff that we can stock you on. And then uh, put in there, I want to know about Celebrate Recovery. We will get you connected to the right people so that you can get plugged in. Uh, But October the 20th, I believe it's a Saturday, will be the new step study for our ladies. Uh, Next week, we have a guest missionary that's coming in, the Hopkins family from Peru. And so they'll be presenting the field of Peru and what God is calling them to do. And so uh, we always enjoy uh, getting to hear from people who are are following the call of God around the world to share the gospel. So be uh, be here for that. You don't want to miss that. And then also the 21st, Emmerine, where are you? 21st is our bake sale. It's in two weeks, so uh, be preparing for that. Let's continue to raise funds for Operation Christmas Child as we partner with Samaritan's Purse to bless children all over the world during Christmas time. And uh, so we thank you for your faithfulness, your generosity. I'm so just impressed with the generosity of our church, how you continue to be faithful in your giving, and it enables us to reach people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray, and if my usher will come forward, uh, we're going to pass the offering, and then uh, we'll introduce our guest speaker. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your mercy and grace. Thank you for what you're already doing in and through this worship experience. Thank you for providing the way for us to become the children of God. Thank you for being faithful to every promise and never failing at anything you've spoken. And I just pray now, God, that your anointing again would fall, your presence would just fill this room, fill our hearts, that it would so overwhelm us that there'd be no distraction, 
that our, our, our ears and our eyes and our hearts would be open to everything that you have to speak and say to us today, that what your presence wants to do, what your Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. And I'm just praying breakthrough in our church today, revival in our church today. God, that we'd be so filled with your presence that we couldn't stand still, but we'd have to go out and engage people with the love and hope of Jesus Christ and demonstrate that hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I just turn everything over. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. This is out of our hands and completely in yours. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, again, I'm excited. We've been praying as a church and as our leadership team for for weeks now for for, uh, our special guest today. I I called uh, Pastor Mike up and just shared with him some of our journey, how over the last seven weeks, We've been kind of journeying through a teaching series on the Holy Spirit called The Wind. We've been talking about everything from who the Holy Spirit is to his ministry in the church and and kind of our relationship with him, how he connects us to the heart of God and even the gifts of the Spirit. And so I asked him to, as I've, believe it or not, this is the first actual message outside of the conquerors I've heard Mike speak. I've never been to one of his meetings, but I will tell you, I have been, I have met people who have been to some of his meetings and each and every person I've encountered has come away with an encounter with God, one that's been revolutionary and changed their lives. And so I'm excited for what God is going to do here today. The anointing that Mike has on him is very special and unique, and we're just expecting God to work and move. And so uh, without further ado, let's give him a warm VLC, V-Life welcome. Introduce you, Pastor Mike Benson. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Joey. Thank you. You got to stand. Oh, right over here? This one there? Okay. All right, I got one. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Ready to have some fun? I know I am. <laughs> uh, as Pastor Joey said, my name is Mike Benson. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, some of you may be familiar with my story. Uh, I spent 11 years in prison. My first bank robbery was at the age of 16, or illegal withdrawal from a financial institution. You want to put a white collar bend to it. And so I wrote a book, it's called Mike Benson, More Than a Conqueror. It's got my entire story in it. I like to say my testimony started the minute I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Everything before that is my history. Because the only thing I have to testify to is what he is doing and continues to do in my life. But you can read my history and how I came to the Lord in this book. I have them out there. And then I also have the movie version It's called Inside Out, and we actually had an opportunity to take some video footage at the actual bank that I robbed. Uh, It's no longer a bank. It closed down. (laughs) So, oops, sorry about that. We shut her down. (laughs) And uh, I actually had the privilege of going into the jail cell and filming in the jail cell that I actually gave my heart to Christ in. So it's a really cool video. These, these were created for one reason and one reason only, and that's to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And it's also designed to help believers have encounters with the Holy Spirit. Uh, my, 
my uh, privilege to lead the Conquerors International Strength Team. Conquerors is a group of athletes who travel all over the world, and we have every little boy's dream job, some little girl's dream job. We get to break stuff for a living and we don't get in trouble for it. We've been to 36 different nations of this planet, and in the last 10 years, we've seen over 300,000 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. We call that a good start. And this year, we were in three nations, and we've had over 30,000 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Here in a couple weeks, we're going to be going to Australia for the seventh time, and I'm really excited uh, about our partnership with the church in Pakistan. In March, the Conquerors will be doing evangelistic crusades in Karachi, Pakistan, the third largest city in the world. And uh, we're, it's like taking a lightsaber and shoving it in the heart of Darth Vader. When the enemy says it's too dangerous over here, we say, oh no, <laughs> we're going. Where it's darkest is where the light shines the brightest. And so this morning, I wanted to talk to you about a subject that I'm very familiar with, and that's the subject of strength. I have been lifting weights pretty much my whole life. It started off when I was nine years old and my parents bought me my first set of water weights. They're plastic, you pour water in them, and, and I started then. And then, shortly after that, the movie Conan the Barbarian came out. And it was on. <laughs> I wanted to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, uh, I lift things up and put them down. <laughs> And it was on. I was all about it. And, uh, you know, but God looks at strength quite a bit different than we do. God is not concerned with the size of your biceps or the amount of your bench press. He's more concerned with the capacity of your heart and your capacity to, to show him in your life. As a matter of fact, the heroes of the Bible are... In today's culture, they would be picked last for the game of tag. They would not be looked on as today's superheroes. You know, guys like Gideon, who is the least in his nation, the least in his tribe, the least in his family, that when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he was in a wine press treading grain for fear of the enemy. But God said, oh, you mighty man of valor. And he's like, who, me? You talking to me? <laughs> God used him to gain a great victory over the enemies of Israel. And then there's people like David. David, the king of Israel, the one who was relegated to the backwoods, taking care of the sheep when the prophet of God came to his house to anoint the new king. David, his, his, his father, after the prophet had went through all of his brothers, says, is there anyone left? And, and he said, oh, there's that David, that worthless one. And he said, Katan. And David was a, a young man who, who was overlooked, he was rejected, he was neglected, and he had a massive father wound. But God said, that's my kind of man right there. Because David had a heart after the living God. God is not concerned with your outward appearance, your pedigree. He doesn't care about how many zeros are in your bank account. It doesn't move him where you're at in society. What moves him is your heart for him, your hunger for him. And I'm here to tell you today, if you feel like you're overlooked, like if you're, if you're 
relegated to the backside of whatever, God says, you're my man or you're my woman. Or how about the women of the Bible, huh? Mary, a little teenager. The Lord chose her to bring his son into the earth. He didn't choose a queen or somebody of high prestige. He chose a little tiny girl from the worthless town of Nazareth. God wants to use you. He wants to partner with you to change your family, to change your community, and to change the world. And this morning, I want to start in 1 Corinthians 1.27. It says, these are all in the Passion Translation of the Scripture. This is a version of the Scripture that I absolutely love. It's taken directly from the Hebrew and the... Uh, Greek context, it says, but God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10, Scripture says, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weaknesses, but delighted. For when I feel my weaknesses and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Mm. Your weaknesses are portals to God's power. A portal, it literally means a gate, a big ornate gate. And in the sci-fi films, it's a portal from one dimension to the other dimension. How many of you, I know from personal experience, I have seen God show up in my weakest moments in my absolute weakest moments. When I have had a week, a hectic week, I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to get in the word, I haven't been able to prepare, and, and I showed up with my hair out of place when I had hair, and, and, and I was not even prepared, and, and the power of God would move through me, and I'd be like, whoa, good thing you showed up, God. And you know, I've been in some pretty, pretty uh, awesome experiences. I've had many awesome experiences overseas, but I've been in some hairy situations as well. Uh, we, we saw a man get gunned down in Manila, the Philippines, like 12 feet in front of us. Four assassins assassinated him right in front of us. And that, 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 was, a, that was a tumultuous situation to say the least. And then here a few years back, we were going to Albania. Now, we had been to Albania a couple years prior to the second time going there, and uh, Albania is a 98% Muslim country, and we were in Albania, and we, we had the opportunity to be on the largest TV show in Albania, the most popular one, and it's the most popular show in the whole region. And it's called The Free Zone. And we were on there, and we had, we had the opportunity to preach the gospel. And while we were preaching the gospel, uh, there was a man at home, a young man named Riald. Now, Riald's family was Muslim, and they owned a convenience store, and they lived above the store. Now, Riald had an issue with drugs. He was in very heavy debt 
to the drug dealers. Now, Albania is known as the home of the world's largest criminal organization, the Albanian Mafia. It is one of the most power, it is the power, most powerful criminal organization in the world. And uh, he was in debt, and they were about ready to take his life if he didn't pay up. And he was so despondent of life that he was considering committing suicide. And he had hung the noose and he was ready to hang himself when he turned on the TV and he heard us preaching the gospel and Jesus met him right there in his living room and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And so we didn't know that at the time, but then he went to church where, we were, where we'd be speaking that Sunday, brought his family and his whole family gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And so we're coming back for our second time, and, and this time we're going to appear on the same show, only Riald is going to appear with us and tell his story. How And we're like, oh God, only you could orchestrate something like that. And so we get to the airport, and uh, our friend Andy Dina picks us up from the airport, and I said, hey, what's going on? What's been happening around here? And he said, oh, we've been having some issues. The president of Albania at the time was the mafia's president, bought and paid for by the mafia, and he got voted out of office. And the mafia was not too happy about that. And so their answer to that was to start exploding car bombs all throughout Albania. And he tells us this, you know, and yeah, we've been having some car bombings and stuff. I said, oh, cool, <laughs> welcome to Albania. <laughs> So me and a teammate, we got into our hotel, and our hotel was two blocks down from the government headquarters, and we're getting settled in, and all of a sudden, boom! Our whole hotel shook, and my teammate comes in, and his eyes are about this wide, and he says, is that what I think it was? I said, yep, I think so. He said, I don't know if I signed up for this. I said, look, man. Jesus called us over here to preach the gospel. That's what we're going to do. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And there's nothing that's going to happen. I don't have a martyr's call on my life. The Holy Spirit would have let me know that. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to get people saved, healed, and delivered. And that's what we're going to do. And every single night, literally every single night, there was a car bombing. Now let me tell you, when you're in a situation like that, it is not the time for Jesus' light. It is not the time for bumper sticker Christianity. It's the time for full, full calorie, heavy whipping cream, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, also when your marriage is on the ropes and you're on the verge of a divorce or you're, you're bankrupt and you're on the verge of bankruptcy, that's not the time for Jesus' light either. That's the time when you need God more than anything in your life. When you're at your weakest moment, your lowest moment, that's when you need Jesus to show up more than anything. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Everything that you need is already within you. You know, I, I, uh, I travel to a lot of churches. I've spoken at churches all over the planet. And, and a lot of times in the church, we have a visitation culture. And we even sing songs, oh, come Jesus, come fill this place, uh, show up God, and stuff like that. Jesus is like, what are you looking for? I'm right here. I'm inside of you. 
And Jesus wants a presence culture. He wants us to be aware of his presence. Because if Jesus is in you, all the power that you need, every answer to life's problems dwells within you. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. The kingdom is within you, Luke 17, 21. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if Jesus' spirit and your spirit are one, how many of you know that Jesus doesn't need to get any stronger? He doesn't need to do any spiritual P90X or Jane Fonda videos. And your spirit doesn't need to get any stronger either. Your spirit is joined to the Lord's. You, are, you have all the power necessary to overcome every circumstance in life because it is all within you. And when, so when we're talking about strength, spiritual strength, we're not talking about your spirit getting any stronger. We're talking about taking the strength that's within you and applying it to your temporary situations. Because how many of you know your situations are temporary, but God is eternal? So if you have something that's temporary, subject to change, you need to rely on the one who's eternal and never changes. And I'm going to show you the key to tapping into unlimited power. And this power resides in every single believer. This is not just for special anointed people. This is not just for pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers or people in the fivefold ministry. This power belongs to every single believer. If you are born again, you have Jesus in you, then you have unlimited power inside of you. And the enemy is scared till death of you. He's scared. He's petrified. And what he wants, he doesn't want you to discover who you are. Because when you discover who you are, then his days of harassing you are over. Mm. Mm -hmm. Jude 20. But you... My delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith, or separated faith, by praying every moment in the Spirit. This message about strength is about the gift of tongues, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. It's a very controversial subject in the religious world. But I'm here to tell you tongues is not a denominational thing, it's not a religious thing, it is a biblical thing and it is a kingdom thing. And it is the most powerful weapon that you have in your arsenal, the most powerful. It's how you take the eternal and apply it to your temporary situation. Mm, mm, mm. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 5. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says. Because he's not speaking to people, but to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit, capital S. 
But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. Speaking in tongues, advancing spiritual progress. Okay? While the one who prophesies builds up the church. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. But I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gain comes from from the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless there is interpretation so that it builds up the entire church. Now, I want to look at this in context. Paul was addressing the church at Corinth. The power of God was poured out through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they got a hold of the power of speaking in tongues. And they could, they could literally feel the strength in them rising up every time they spoke in tongues. And so they were just going buck wild. Whenever they got together, they were all just speaking in tongues. <laughs> and Paul was saying, okay, look, 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 look. I, I got to clarify some things here. That's good that you speak in tongues. I want everybody to speak in tongues. But when we're in a public setting, I, I don't want you speaking in tongues unless there's an interpretation because we don't want somebody coming in who's first time church visitor and go, what are these crazy people doing? <laughs> All right? He's saying it's good for you to speak in tongues. It advances your own spiritual progress. It builds you up. It's very good. And, and so if you have a tongue and an interpretation, by, by all means, please present it. We'd love to hear it. But, in, but in, in a public setting, because, you know, the gift of tongues is the only gift that's specifically for you. All the other gifts of the Spirit are for others. Prophecy is for building others up, not yourself. Healing is for others. <laughs> Discernment, discerning of spirits is for others. When you're ministering to other people, all the other gifts given to you are for others except for one. And that's the ability to speak in tongues. That is just for you to advance your own spiritual progress. Not to advance anybody else's but your own. Mm-hmm. Praying continually in the spirit. You know, when I first heard that scripture, I was a little bit confused. I was like, God, do you want me to quit my job and get in a prayer closet and pray 24-7? I can't. No, but he gave me the key through praying in tongues that I can do it 24 hours because it's my spirit speaking directly to God. Mm, 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 mm. It is your hotline to heaven. You know, in... In war, how many of y'all know we're in war? We're in a battle right now. And there's no neutral ground in this battle. There's no spiritual Switzerland. It doesn't exist. You're either a victim or you're a victor. One of the two. If you say, I'm I'm setting this one out, you're a victim. The enemy's going to eat your lunch. This is a spiritual battle. And you know, in World War II, when, when the Allies invaded Normandy, and they took Normandy and they got a beachhead, everybody, the Allies and the Axis power, everybody knew it was only a matter of time before we defeated, defeated Hitler. Everybody knew it. And so from 
D-Day until V-Day, there was four months of battle, and it was the fiercest battle in the whole campaign. More lives were lost in that four-month period than in any other time during the whole World War II in the European campaign. Because the enemy was desperate, because the enemy knew he was fighting for his existence. And let me tell you, in the spiritual realm, when Jesus came out of the tomb, that was D-Day. And V-Day is fast approaching when he returns. And the enemy is fighting for his very existence. He knows his time is numbered. And so he is increasing his tactics. In World War II, we almost lost World War II. You see, in war, in combat, I have a, a team member who, who spent 16 years in the Special Forces. Uh, he was a night stalker. Uh, basically, he was uh, the, the Navy SEALs Air Regiment. He would go and travel. He's been to Mogadishu. He's been, you know, we'll be talking to him. He'll tell us stories. And he'll say, yeah, there was this time where, uh, never mind. <laughs> Still classified. <laughs> and he told me, you know, the number one thing that's of most value and importance to us as a special warfare operator is our communications. Our comms. Without our comms, we're in trouble. With our comms, no one wants to mess with us because their ability to bring the amount of violence onto the battlefield. And there's two things that give any army an advantage, and that is the communication and your ability to have the high ground. He who holds the high ground has the advantage in a battlefield. That's why America is so strong, because we have superior air power, we got drones, we got satellites, we control the high ground, therefore we, can, we dictate the battle and how it goes. And we have communications. In World War II, the enemy was eating our lunch because the Germans cracked every single code that we came up with. They were far advanced. They had a code that we couldn't crack until we uh, discovered the Enigma machine and, and uh, got one of their submarines. But until then, we were, we were getting our butts whooped because they would always be one step ahead of us because they'd break our code so easily. So the War Department, they got together and they said, we, we have to come up with a code that no one can, we need a language that nobody else knows. And somebody had a bright idea. They said, oh, wait a minute. I, what about the Navajo Indians? You know, those people that we relegated to a reservation, the backwoods of Arizona, the back desert of Arizona, the God takes the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. They have a language that nobody studies in school because, quite honestly, who cares? Right? So they got Navajo Indians, recruited them into the military, and they became signal operators, and they communicated in their language, and it drove the Germans nuts because they couldn't understand a word that they were communicating. And there was a movie called The Wind Talkers. That turned the tide of the whole campaign because of the communications that couldn't be broken. And when the Germans found out that it was these Indians who were responsible for it, they put hits out on them, and these wind talkers went around with a whole platoon of bodyguards everywhere they went. So the least became the most important. 
through the weakness of a, a defeated nation relegated to nothing, gave us the victory in World War II, literally. Because the Germans were ahead of us in technology. They were fast approaching a nuclear weapon and we would have got our butts kicked if it wasn't for that. So when you speak in tongues, it's a language that is unknown to anyone else, but it's known in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, I've heard a lot of arguments about tongues. You know, oh, that's a bunch of gibberish. Well, there's 367 known languages on the face of the planet, and I know one of them, English, and a smattering of a few others, enough to get me in trouble. So if you speak to me in another language, it's, it sounds like gibberish to me. Like, I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but I'll just take Chinese, for instance. If you have Chinese heritage, I don't mean this to disparage that, that heritage or anything, but if somebody's speaking to me in Chinese, it sounds like they took the silverware drawer and threw it down the stairs. Ching chong, ping pong, ping pong, ching chong, pong. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't understand a lick. But to somebody who understands that language, it makes perfect sense. Tongues is your spirit speaking in a spiritual language directly to heaven. The scripture says he utters mysteries in the spirit. It's unknown to the enemy. <laughs> you pray in English, the enemy knows English. The enemy knows all the languages. He's been here longer than everybody. So you pray in your own language, from your own perspective. The enemy, he's, he, he, he <laughs> yeah. Has anybody ever prayed and, and it seemed like all hell broke loose? Yeah. That's because the enemy is gonna fight you for every inch of ground. And he's gonna preempt every prayer that you pray. He's gonna preempt everything you plan on doing because you communicate it, he hears it, and he says, oh yeah, I'm gonna get you distracted. I'm gonna make all kinds of mess in your circumstances, and you're just gonna, you're just gonna doubt God, and you're gonna fear, and, you're gonna, and I'm gonna defeat you. That's what the enemy does. But when you start praying in tongues, he goes nuts. Because then he starts getting assaulted, things start moving, and he don't know what to do about it. And I love it. I love to cause the enemy pain. I love to cause him fear. I love to defeat him every step of the way. Tongues is the ultimate communication tool. And how many of you know, in a, in a, in a battle situation, when you're a soldier on the ground, you, you have a certain view or perspective of the battlefield, but it's limited. Until you get a drone or a satellite and get the full picture of the battlefield. You see, you have situations that you're facing, you have battles that you're facing right now, and you have a limited view. You may even have a biblical view and a biblical filter that you see this through, and you may apply the scripture to areas according to your own understanding, but they're limited. How many of y'all know Jesus holds the high ground? Hmm. He has the highest position. He sees the whole perspective, and when you pray in tongues, you short-circuit your own understanding. You see, sometimes our own understanding is our worst enemy because our own understanding keeps us in the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Nothing lives in the comfort zone. Nothing. Everything dies in the comfort zone. Your hopes die, your dreams die, your vision dies in the comfort zone. 
One step out of your comfort zone is where life begins. God doesn't want you in the comfort zone. He wants you in the battle zone. Mm, mm, mm. It may sound a little cliche, but no pain, no gain. (laughs) You know, every single adversity that you face is strategic. God is trying to teach you how to overcome that situation. Our prayer prayer life is always against the negative situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. We need to change that to teach me how to overcome in this situation. Teach me how to stomp a mud hole in the devil in this situation. Teach me how to crush the enemy. Mm, mm, mm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Trust, lean, and be intimate with him. Jesus did not come and die on a cross and bear all of our sins so that we could have church. He didn't die so that we could live good lives. He's not concerned with what you do, whether it's negative, you do something wrong, you do something bad, or whether you do something good, do, do. It's all a bunch of do, do. Before you got born again, you, you knew you couldn't meet the standard of God. You knew you needed a savior, therefore you accepted him as your substitute, and you accepted him. And then, you, and then Christians get born again and they f- spend all their time trying in their own effort and their own strength to meet a standard that we'll never meet. Our righteousness doesn't come from us, it comes from being in Jesus Christ. Because our righteousness is but filthy rags. Religious people are always touting what they're doing. I pray five times a day, I read my Bible, all this, I I, I do all this stuff, but you live like the devil. Because God died on that cross for one reason, to restore intimacy with him. He wants an intimate relationship with his kids. David was called a man after God's own heart. And how many of y'all know David wasn't perfect? Uh, There's that whole Bathsheba thing. He sent all of his boys out to war and he hung back and slept with one of his best, most loyal soldier's wife, committed adultery. And then he tried to cover it up by having him come back and and it wasn't working out so he had him killed, used his power. How many of y'all know that's corrupt? (laughs) Murder, adultery. If David would have been a member of the church nowadays, he would have been excommunicated, thrown in prison, all that stuff. But God said, oh no. Because he repented when he was confronted. Now, his actions caused him trouble the rest of his life. There's consequences to our actions. But it didn't affect how God saw him because God saw through his behavior and saw his heart. Quit looking at your past. It doesn't exist. It'll never exist. You can't change a thing about it. It's gone. Bury it. Have a funeral. Leave it behind. 
Your future doesn't exist either. The only time anything exists is right now. Your future never exists, and your past never exists, there's only now. Now what you do in the now will have an effect on your future, but what you do in the now can never affect your past. Mm-hmm. When facing things that are subject to change, we need to rely on the God who never changes. My own story, I was in prison, I was facing life in prison, I had more felonies, I mean, I did some crazy stuff. Robbed a gas station right across the street from the sheriff's department, got on a high-speed chase, stole a car, went across state lines, I was wanted for drugs, guns, everything, I was a professional criminal. But when I turned my heart to Jesus Christ, and I got intimate with him, he delivered me from it all. He took my mess and made a message out of it. And he will take your mess and make a message out of it if you surrender your life to him. Going to church is not going to get it done. Reading your Bible is not going to get it done. Praying is not going to get it done. It will, it will if your heart is surrendered to him. All that stuff is full of life if your heart is surrendered to him. But if you're doing all that stuff to try to get in good standing with him, you're wasting your time. He wants intimacy with his kids, plain and simple. Mm, mm. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede. I love that. Anything with super on it, it's like, where's the telephone booth? <laughs> On our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So the Spirit of God inside of you communicates with the Father in heaven in perfect harmony with God's plan and your destiny. Your own understanding is out of the way. You know, I pray in tongues more than I pray in English. It's like BB gun, rocket launcher. Hmm. BB gun might do some damage, but rocket launcher is going to do a whole lot more damage. I'm going with the rocket launcher. <laughs> I pray in tongues more. I pray in tongues so much, people come up to me and talk to me, and I'll start talking to them in tongues. I'm like, oh, 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 oh sorry, got to speak in English. Because my mind can be engaged in other things while my spirit is engaged in prayer. I'm in my office, and I'm doing tasks. My mind is fully engaged, and I'm speaking in tongues the whole time. That's how you can pray 24-7. And then things happen, and I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Had nothing to do with me, had everything to do with him. That's the kind of life I like to live. It's a life of mystery. It's a life of excitement. It's a life of risk, and I love it. It sure beats that dead, dry, religious life. Religion is of the devil, 
God hates religion. You know, when Jesus walked on this earth, he never had any opposition from sinners. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. What's your guy's problem? It's Mike Venson version. We don't have any drama with this guy. It was the religious leaders that persecuted him. It was the religious leaders that, that hung him on that cross. And they were full of the devil, yet they knew the scripture better than anybody. I've met some religious leaders who are so full of Satan, it's so, I mean, it'll blow your mind if I told you some stories. Mm. Religion is killing the body of Christ. It's killing it. Praying or speaking in tongues will put the super on anything natural in your life. Anything natural, you pray in tongues, it'll put the super on it. Every answer to life is within you. It's not out here, it's in you. Paul said, I need no man to teach me. He wasn't bragging on his own smarts. Or, and he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, some arguments from some religious circles within the body of Christ, this is, oh, tongues is of the devil. Really? Well, the devil wrote two-thirds of the New Testament then. Because Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Life changes around you when, life, when things change inside of you. Acts 2.4, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they never learned. Acts 19, 1-7, while Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. The first thing, the first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied, we've not even heard a Holy Spirit, of a Holy Spirit. Paul asked them, what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins, and he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus the Anointed One. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. At the end of the book of John, we read the account of Jesus appearing to his disciples. His disciples were gathered, locked in a room for fear of the Jews, because their master, their Messiah, had just been brutally murdered on a cross. And they were full of fear, and they were hiding in a room. And Jesus appeared to them. And he said, peace be still, because they were probably tripping. <laughs> I'm sure they were freaking out. <laughs> Jesus just appears in there. He says, touch my hands, look at my, you know, and, and he's like that. He says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
How many of y'all know if Jesus himself appears to you and breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit? Okay? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that one right there. Every Bible theologian agrees that at that time, the disciples were born again. He breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he spent 40 days with them, teaching them the things pertaining to church. No. Teaching them the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. And they said that if there were enough books in the world, there wouldn't be enough books to contain the information that was conveyed from Jesus to his disciples. That means he wasn't talking to their mind, he was speaking to their spirits. Now you'd think that after having a Holy Ghost anointed Bible education for 40 days from Jesus himself, he breathed on you and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and you'd think you'd be good to go. But he said, no, wait. I got some business up up there I got to take care of. I got to take my blood, sprinkle it on the mercy seat. I got to solidify this thing so that you can be in the same position that I am as a son or a daughter, and then you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is power on you. There's power in you, but you need that power in you to be on you. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered and the Holy Spirit came upon them. He didn't come from, this scripture is the proper interpretation, he manifested. That means what's in you comes on you. That's what the anointing is. If if you're a born again believer, you've got all of the Holy Spirit you're ever gonna get. You're not gonna get any more. You've got all of it right there. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the spirit that's in you comes on you otherwise known as the anointing, Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. Jesus is the anointed one. And he wants to give every believer an anointing. For what? To destroy the works of the enemy. For this purpose was Jesus manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. God wants to destroy the works of the enemy in your life, and he wants you to destroy the works in everybody else's life also. He wants you to cause havoc on the kingdom of darkness. That's what the church is, right? We're the army of the Lord. We've been called to battle. (laughs) So now, enough talk. This is not about talk. It's a good message. You probably hear it. Yeah, it's good. Now it's time to put some action behind it. See, Jesus proclaimed the gospel and he demonstrated the gospel. He proclaimed the gospel, he demonstrated the gospel. He did 25% more demonstration than he did proclamation. And when he proclaimed the gospel, he always demonstrated it. Sometimes he demonstrated the gospel and didn't teach a thing. Well, today is a time for demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Right here, right now. I know that some of you, your hearts are burning right now. You're burning right now. You have a hunger inside. You're tired of being beat up. You're tired of crying out, going, why God, why God? You're tired of it. Well, today, it ends, if you choose to. It ends. Today is your day, right now. So, I'd like everyone here to bow your heads and close your eyes.
First things first. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, yes, sure, you may go to church, you may have prayed prayers, you may have done all that stuff, but if you have never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, made him the Lord of your life, said, here I am, God, you take all of me, I'm laying it all out on there for you. If you've never done that, I got good news for you. This morning, you have an opportunity to do that. Jesus won't force himself on you. He has to be invited in. So if that's you, no looking around. It doesn't matter who's, who's beside you, behind you, in front of you. This is between you and God. If you have never surrendered your life totally to God, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and raise it high. One, two, three. Slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. Raise it high so I can see it. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Those of you who raise your hands, repeat this prayer with me. Mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth. And church, would you pray along with them? Say, dear Jesus, this day I surrender. I give you my all. All that I am, all that I have, I surrender to you. Because I believe that you died for me, for my sin, and I have sinned, God, against you and against my fellow man. But today, I repent. I turn my back on living for myself. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Thank you. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big round of applause. You made that decision in your spirit, who you really are, became born again. Life entered your spirit, and you, you became alive. And now... If you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want the power that God has given every believer, I want you to come up here right now. Come on, come on out of your seat and come right up here. Come on. Right up here. She ain't playing around. She's coming right up here. Come on. Yes, 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 come on up, brother, come on. Come on. Come on. That's right. Come on. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is going to change the dynamic of this church. This is going to change this city. Come on. Line right up here. Can you guys move down a little bit? Let everybody up in here. Come on. 
Yeah. Could you cut that music, please? Come on up here. Come on. Come on. We're going to give you time. Anybody else like the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Come on up. Ooh, it's going to be fun in here. It's going to get fun. It's going to get fun. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Okay. All right. All right, I got a couple questions to ask all of you. By a show of hands, who has a sickness or an injury that needs healing right now? Raise your hand if you have one. You've got one. You've got one. You've got one. Okay. Okay. By a show of hands, I know, I, know, I know that several of you this is true for because the Holy Spirit is telling me. How many of you are struggling with depression? Raise your hand. Well, the struggle's over. It's done. It's done today, okay? It's done. How many of you out there are struggling with depression? Come up here. Come up here. Spirit is about to blow up in here. <laughs> come on up. Come on up. You're struggling with depression. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. That's right. That's right. That's right. Come on up. All right. Okay. Okay. There's no shame if you, if, you, if you struggle with depression. I could tell you a story about 2013, worst year of my life. Depression almost took me out. I've been in ministry for 15 years. Nobody's immune to the attacks of the enemy, okay? So there's no shame in that, all right? Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you up here have someone or some people you know you need to forgive? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you see all the hands, church? Let me, t- let me tell you why this is very important. And this is the key to your breakthrough. Because unforgiveness doesn't cut God off from you, it cuts you off from God. I know that many of you have been struggling and praying and crying out to God, why God this, why God that, how much longer, how much? Am I right? Am I correct? Okay. Yep. Yep. How come it always seems and all that stuff, right? Right? Correct? One prayer is going to change your life forever, the prayer of forgiveness. Let me tell you what forgiveness is, is and is not. When, when somebody does something wrong, I've been hurt, I've been backstabbed, I've been all kinds of stuff in ministry. And when somebody comes and does something to me, and I say, oh, you hurt me like that? Oh, I'll show you. And I take a cup full of poison, and I say, oh, yeah? Take that. Then they go on with their life. They go on with their life. They're going on. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about what they did to me. And I'm feeling the pain of it. And I just take another cup of that, another sip of that poison. And I keep drinking it. 
Forgiveness is not saying what they did to you is okay. It's not saying it's all right what you did to me. You're, 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 you're let off the hook. Forgiveness is saying I'm not going to allow what you did to me rule my life anymore. I'm not going to allow what you did to me have any more real estate in my mind, my emotions, or my heart. I'm releasing you. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. It's for you. And forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. You choose to forgive them. And so if you're here and you're willing to make a decision and choose to forgive those people, raise your hand. Awesome, awesome, okay. Are you willing to pray for them for the next 30 days? Raise your hand if you're willing to pray for them, okay. All right, here's the why. Because when you pray for them, God will change your heart toward them and he'll make you offenseless. That's true power. When people can do offensive things to you but you don't take offense because you've experienced the freedom from unforgiveness. Okay? So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And when I get to the point where I say, I choose to forgive, I want you to say their names and say it out loud. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And you're gonna release them. And when you do this, some of you, if not most of you, are gonna feel the presence of the Holy Spirit envelop you. He's gonna envelop you. You're gonna feel like a warm feeling deep in your, in your heart. This is where your heart is, it's in your belly. It's not the blood pumper here, it's right here, the center of who you are. It's gonna rise up within you. And the Spirit of God is gonna smother you. Some of you will begin to speak in tongues and get baptized in the Holy Spirit right there. It'll just be syllables that come out of your mouth and you just let it flow, let the anointing flow all over you. Some of you who have sickness or disease are going to get healed instantaneously right now as the Spirit of God moves among you. Okay, you ready? Are you ready? All right, let me pray first, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? Father God, I thank you and I praise you for the work you're about to do. Father, flood this atmosphere. Permeate this atmosphere with your presence hear the heart of your people. Okay, repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you died for me. I'm so grateful. I want to be obedient to you. I couldn't live without you. So right now, I'm making a decision. I choose to forgive. Say their names. Father, I release them. I declare a blessing over them. Let them encounter your love. 
the same way I'm encountering your love. Jesus' name. Now, we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? (laughs) Here it comes. (laughs) This is what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and the Holy Ghost is going to come up on you. I'm going to come down there. I'm going to lay hands on some of you. And you just let the Holy Spirit flow through you, okay? All right? It's going to be overwhelming. Some of you may feel heat. It's okay. How many of y'all know we need to feel God? We need to experience him. This is not just about talk. This is about power right here, okay? You've been waiting. Some of you have been waiting your whole life for this moment right here, okay? Are you ready? Lift your hands to heaven from where your help comes from. Say, Father God, I right now... I receive the fullness. I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right now.